0: What's up, principals, and welcome back to the Principal Crew Podcast. If this is your 10th episode you've been listening to or your first episode, welcome. My name is Adam. Welcome. I'm a principal. I'm your host. And this is the podcast that is all about principals, principaling, being a principal, leadership, all those things that principals go through and think about. Because that's just uh, that's what we do. And today on the show, I'm excited to welcome Ray Rodriguez all the way from Texas, elementary principal. Ray, welcome to the show. And uh, for those that don't know who you are, man, introduce yourself. Tell us where you're from, what you do. Just kind of give us the lowdown.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me this morning or this afternoon here in Texas. Uh, I'm a first year principal down here in South Texas, down at a Fine Arts Academy. So. Um, I come full circle. The principal where I'm at is actually the school that I attended as a kid, so 28 years later, I ke- here I am leading leading my, my crew, so I'm very, very excited. Uh, definitely didn't see myself as being a leader during a pandemic, but uh, here I am with the with the help of, of all my PLN. I'm, I'm rocking it, getting ideas from all these different principals across the nation, and so thank you for having me this, this afternoon, Adam.
0: Yeah. So like you, I didn't know we had this commonality. My first principal job, I was principal of the school where I went to school as well. And the one of the main memories I have of my principal was he used to smoke a pipe in the principal <laughs> office. And I, we're not that old. I'm 41. I mean, so that wasn't that long ago, but man, times have changed. So I love talking to first-year principals. I think Every principal this year is a first year principal because nobody has ever gone through this before. But what, what is surprising about the principalship? Because I feel like maybe you've been an assistant principal or a dean or different things, but there's nothing like being the principal when you're the person at the school. So have there been has anything surprised you? about the job after having been doing it for a few months now?
1: I think just the dedication of our teachers going and above and beyond. I think, like you said, nobody expected to be in the situation that we are in. And just their, their dedication to our team to ensure success has been amazing. I know that parents have, have bent over backwards as well, calling our school, asking what we're doing to ensure safety of our kids and something that, we're growing together as a team from technology, from Google has been a big thing. So learning as we go, I think is only making us stronger as educators. So it's been definitely quite the ride um, as a first year principal here in Texas.
0: Yeah. So what would you say to other principals? You talked about technology, which I think there are so many obviously badness and people dying and losing their jobs and being sick from COVID. If we're looking for silver linings, which I feel like you can you can see in any tragedy, it is people that maybe hadn't drinking the Kool-Aid of technology as a way to connect with students and to, and to evolve their classroom now have, but what would you say or what has been a learning piece for you for maybe those teachers that are still hesitant to go, I, I don't want to use Zoom or Google Meet or Google Classroom and I and mean, what do you say to them? Because if you have kids that are virtual or you're hybrid or what, I mean, you, you kind of have to, like, wh- what do you do? I think
1: like most teachers or educators, I at first was hesitant as well. And I was uh, introduced to Google by one of our CTE teachers and I was hooked. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to lead by example. And I went through the whole Google certification course. And, and that way I am aware of what teachers um, should expect as they are going through this whole change and the growth and i still have teachers on campus who are are a little bit hesitant but i tell them i don't want you to dive full in baby steps are needed to ensure that we get the hang of of using all these different types of platforms so little by little teachers are integrating whether it's google meets google classroom or Jamboard, something simple Kahoot even using some of these virtual um, platforms so they get used to using this technology in the classroom and i think once they see their peers and their colleagues using it and the, the 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 easiness of using these tools I think is very very beneficial for our kids because like you mentioned some of them might be virtual Um, they are choosing not to come in and that's okay Um, but they need to be able to see their teacher whether it be through a computer screen or face to face so Mm -hmm. I think it's very very important that we take baby steps to use these technology platforms.
0: Yeah you know you talked um, you said briefly earlier about about your PLN which I'm just going to explain it for the people that maybe aren't totally sure on the difference is your, your PLC, that is your professional learning community. Those are the people that you see day in day out or at those monthly meetings. That's, that's the people that you see in person. Your PLN is your professional learning network. People like you and I, Ray, you and I have never met in person. We may never meet in person. Hopefully someday we're at the same conference and you know we're able to hang out. But to your point, let's say you're a first year principal or a veteran principal or an aspiring leader, what role has your PLN played in, you talked about seeing what other people are doing and learning or like, hey, I have these teachers or I have this going on and they're not, I need some help with getting their math lessons to the next level, whatever it may be, what role has your PLN played in building your network, learning from them, uh, just staying motivated and excited from seeing what other people are doing?
1: I mean, just joining Twitter six years ago has just definitely been a game changer. As I was the first starting out my administrative and leadership career, uh, one of my doctoral colleagues mentioned that if you're not on Twitter, you haven't seen the world yet. So okay. that evening I, I made my account and I have not looked back, um, but I've met a lot of, of uh, educators around the nation, like I mentioned, and we're on boxer groups. So quick little boxers, hey, I'm dealing with this situation, like you mentioned. Have you dealt with something similar to this situation? How did you tackle it? Um, and just daily check-ins, whether it be through messenger like at the Boxer or just a quick phone call allows me to engage with, with some of these world-class educators. And so it, it's, I'm getting this idea to um, highlight my teachers, to highlight my students. So it's been, it's been definitely a game changer um, for, for that support and networking uh, for me.
0: Yeah, I go as far to say is if you're not on Twitter, I don't know where you are learning from every day. Are there other places to learn? Yes. Magazines, your your association, if it's NASP or Tepsa or, you know, whatever it may be, but those are not every day. And it, you know, you go on your phone for five minutes and you can learn something. So Uh, Ray Rodriguez underscore that's R-E-Y Rodriguez with a Z underscore if you want to connect with Ray. So uh, as a first year principal, what is your approach to the job? Uh, You know, you said your wife is also an educator, but just having family and having a life, I personally want to be remembered as a hard worker and not a workaholic. And how do you remain happy and healthy and balanced in your personal life and also support your teachers at school, but without being there until 10 o'clock every night and going in on every weekend. And I tell you, in my travels and experience of talking to thousands of principals, this is a challenge for leaders. So what is your approach to just the job and doing the job well, but also having a happy marriage and a happy life and just you know being a human being? So when I accepted this position at, at my campus,
1: school had already started. And so I was in a, a different district. So coming in, I knew that one of the first things I wanted to establish was obviously creating that relationship with my staff. And so not all of them were on campus at that time. Some of them choose to stay remote or somewhere off face-to-face. So what I did is I did a one-to-one, either Zoom session or a face-to-face, getting to know them personally, nothing to do about work, talking about your family, a little bit about yourself, about your teaching background. And then from there, little by little, I went into the classrooms when we became when we came full full force. And uh, whether I needed to go in and sell for a class, do lunch duty, I was in the cafeteria. I suited up with a hairnet and gloves, served some lunch for our kids. So getting down, letting them know that I'm not there just to be a a boss. I'm not I'm not a big fan of that term. Uh, but seeing that I want to be down there with them, whether like I said, teaching a lesson with the teachers, reading a book, dressing up as the Grinch like I did last week to to show the kids that I'm just a, a normal person and not uh, uh, a boss or the principal of a school but someone who can they can turn to if they need assistance if they need help so being able to create those relationships I think is key and critical to run a successful school especially right now seeing that social or, or having that social emotional aspect of our kids and of our staff is very very important especially right now as we don't know what some of these families are dealing with. A lot of them have lost their jobs, have lost a loved one. So being able to support them on a non-academic level, I think is very, very important at this time.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. I used to say that, yes, my title is the principal, but I'm really just part of the team. And somebody that is part of a team will go and plug holes and fill in wherever is needed. If it's serving food or taking out the trash or answering phones or, or whatever, Whatever that may be, it's really just being part of the team. So talk about, talk about your journey as a, as, a, as a new principal. What would you say to aspiring leaders, maybe people that are still in the classroom or aspiring assistant principals that are in the job, or maybe they've gone for, kind I've interviewed five times. I've been, a, I've been an assistant principal for five years, Ray, and I've, I've been going for principal jobs. What am I doing wrong? What, give me some advice. What would what would be your advice to people that are aspiring to be a principal?
1: And I think I think it's key. Don't give up. If it's something that you want for, it's going to come eventually. I know that that sometimes it may not necessarily be the right time for for that, and it's a, it sometimes feel like you're you're getting the door slammed in your face, but that only makes you a stronger person. I think. And so I think it's key to ask for that feedback after an interview. What can we do to improve? And being being able to self-reflect as an individual, what can we do to improve ourselves? What can we do to make ourselves grow stronger as an individual to get that job that we want, whether it's an assistant principal or if you're currently an assistant principal, getting that that principal position. I think finding that right fit for you um, as well. So the district that you're currently in may not necessarily be the the right fit for you. So look. Look, 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 at, look out elsewhere. I think sometimes you may be fixated uh, as to wanting one particular school, one particular district, but that may necessarily be the right fit for you. So I think broaden your horizons, I think is, is, is what needs to be looked at as well.
0: Yeah. You know, I kind of relate it to like dating. You can't just go, Oh, I want to marry that person well, that person may not be interested or they may already be in a relationship. You got to broaden your horizons. You know, if you, like if you live in a small town and there's nobody there to, to meet, you know, you got to look, you got to look elsewhere. I mean, it's the same, it's the same kind of concept. Something that, wor- that has worked for me is actually to reach out to, to um, HR directors or superintendents and say, hey, this is who I am. If you're a teacher or an assistant principal and say, hey, can I talk to you about um, what you look for in principals and your district, because I think also potential candidates, it's important to interview the place that you think you wanna go because they may not be a good fit for you, but it's also gonna set the stage because when when you start that interview process, they, any kind of name recognition, go, oh, this person is kinda, they're out there. They wanted to be here. I remember that person. You know, you, you never know, they may just go, I've already have a relationship with that person. It, it can't hurt. And I would say number two, my recommendation is ha- have fun in the interview process. I have been on the other side of the table where I've been on principal committees and people just act like robots. They come in and they look nice, they're in a suit, but they look like a suit. They don't act and look like a human being or like a principal. You're gonna be hanging out with kids if you're elementary, middle school or high school, whatever it might be. So show some of that human side. You gotta show some of that personality in my opinion. Uh, You're a human. Laugh, talk about kids, tell some stories. It's, uh, It's really important. With talking about interviews, what is your favorite question, Ray? to ask people that you are interviewing to then join your team?
1: I think one of the, the, my favorite question is what is your role as a teacher? What is your role as a teacher's assistant? What is your role as an assistant principal? To see what, what, what they feel their job description is. I think that, that, that gives me a better idea as to whether or not they'll fit
0: uh, my team. Mm, yeah, let's talk about Texas football for a minute. I just interviewed somebody the <laughs> other day from Oklahoma a big OU fan so just I mean which talk about your Texas football what's your favorite college team what's the rivalries like I know I've I've done a lot of speaking in Texas and some of the stadiums down there are are bigger than uh, you know colleges stadiums in California but like what role does football play in Texas it's a huge huge way of
1: life down here in Texas. I'm a graduate of the University of Houston, go Cougs. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of our r- biggest rivalry obviously is, is Rice University down down the street there. Um, but down here in South Texas, I think we have one of the oldest rivalries in the state, uh, San Benito Greyhounds versus the Hartlington Cardinals. Um, it was voted one of the, the oldest rivalries here in Texas. We did, one, I believe one of the sponsorships where we did get new uniforms, um, if I'm not mistaken, from Nike uh, to, to do that. So I think that's very, very cool. Uh, but it's just a way of life down here in Texas. I mean, everybody looks forward to Friday Night Lights and a bit different here. Obviously, this, this past year, not a lot of fans in this, in, on the crowds, but um, it, the love was definitely felt for our, our team down here in San Benito.
0: Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. What is your favorite book to recommend to other principals that they read from a, from a leadership standpoint?
1: That's a tough question. There's there's so many so many good ones out there that you've written as well, Adam. Um, but I, I'm gonna have to go Dare to Lead. I think that's a that's a good one that I that I constantly go to. I have that one sitting on my desk. And uh, my assistant principal just got promoted to a principal position. That was my parting gift to her was that book. So I think that that's a lot of a lot to be vulnerable. I think is very very important. So um, I think that that's the one.
0: Yeah, I've uh, that book is on my nightstand, and it's been on my nightstand for too long. I don't know why I keep uh, I keep passing it up, but I have to um, I have to get into that one. What would be your advice to principals that have challenging parents or a challenging parent, and uh, the parents upset for whatever reasons? It's a myriad of reasons. What is your approach when? when working with a parent that is just upset about something, what do you do? Well, I just
1: encountered my first uh, parent a couple of weeks back um, and I got a call from, from one of the directors letting, them, letting me know that they had received a call that I was rude to a parent. So I was kind of taken back by that because um, that's not in my nature to, to come, come across rude at, at, at any point, uh, but looking back and reflect at that situation, I might've come off just a tad rude um, so being able to look back and think about how do I change um, my perception of, of a principal? Like I said, we're all human. So being able to change the course and, and how I respond to parents, whether um, they want to pick up their kids early, whether they want to um, have a conference with a teacher who may not necessarily treat their son or daughter the way they should be treated. But at the end of the day, I think they want to be heard as, as a as a parent because like like us, they're human as well. So being able to listen to what they have to say, because that's what they want a lot of times just to be heard as, as a parent and as a school leader, being able to assist them in any way possible to uh, have their child
0: be successful. Yeah, no, I think that's important. And sometimes it's just, in my experience, not every time, but a lot of times the upset parent, part of it could be something that the school is doing, but I have found a big part of it as they have something going on in their life that is causing friction that they're unhappy about. And I have found that a lot of times, well, we are public figures as teachers, as principals, and they'll, for some reason, bring it more out on us. I don't know if it's some level of therapy. So just showing them that you are human and asking questions and and meeting and talking face-to-face uh, is, uh, is so important. Ray, if you were in charge of public education for the state of Texas, what would be your priorities for public education?
1: Oh, man. Definitely in the hot seat for that one. <laughs> um, I think that that whole standardized testing, I, I just want to chuck it out the door. I don't mm. see a, uh, a need for it. I'm not a big fan of it. I think it just causes a lot of pressure, a lot of stress not only on students, but for teachers as well. I mean, I think there's better ways to to gauge a child's uh, success, a child's wealth of knowledge as well. So I think standardized education, I know it's one of the big topics around the nation, but that's something that that I don't feel is, is necessarily necessary for our kids.
0: No, it, it is not necessary for our kids. <laughs> I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add that caveat, and you are not the only guest to bring up standardized testing. So uh, I know you're, you're, you're doing your doctoral work right now. And I asked this question selfishly and also for other people selfishly, because for some reason, I don't know why, but in the last few weeks, I've been thinking more and more about, about getting my doctorate. Uh, again, I don't, I don't know why, but I have been, but I've talked to a lot of people that ask, you know, is it worth it or what did you learn? So, just what's been your experience so far, Ray, going through classes and the program, and just kind of give us the, you know, just give us the your your input on that.
1: I was a bit hesitant to start at first, and um, I wasn't your your typical educational student. I didn't go to I didn't go to college for education. Um, I went the alternative route here in Texas. Mm. And i was going through my program one of the directors of the, of the alternative certification program mentioned to me that she had just finished off her doctoral program and that i'd be a good candidate for for the program that she was doing so went out on the limb put my application in and three weeks later i get uh, an interview to uh, meet with the with the school board um, as the first round for the doctoral program so i, I did that and Three weeks later, again, I, I received my formal letter that I hadn't been accepted into the program. So uh, two years later, I, I finished off my, my coursework, go through the comps and currently through uh, going through the actual research phase of the uh, doctoral program. So I'm, I'm going, well, my, my research topic is parental involvement in the Latino community mm. and the lack thereof, especially down here in a border town where parental involvement is not necessarily where it should be. Um, whether it be uh, financial hardships, that language barrier, which is key, and just the, the culture of the the Latino community where um, we may not live with mom and dad, we might live with a grandma and grandpa or aunt and an uncle. So everybody plays a key role in in the, the success of the child, especially when it comes to education. So there's different barriers that I've seen. So it's, it's definitely been something that... Um, has been eye-opening for me. I would be the first in my family to get to this point as reaching a, a, a doctorate level degree. And so I'm saying that the way for for my own son saying that it is possible and coming back to my hometown um, as an example to my students as well, a, a little kid down here from from South Texas, it is it is possible. So being a, a living example for not only my son, but for my students uh, down here in, in South Texas.
0: Yeah, I've been to Del Rio. Um, do you know where okay. Del Rio is? Is that close to yeah. you? No, that's about six hours from where I'm at. I'm the very tip of Texas. Got it. Okay. So for people that don't know Texas, you know, you know, Texas, and I didn't know this until I started traveling to Texas. It's not abnormal to have, have an eight hour drive to go somewhere in tech or 10 hours. It's like no big deal. Like, Oh yeah, it's 10 hours. And in California, you can drive, you know, across the state in 10 hours. In some States, you know, an hour you can you can drive across so texas is big people very big well i know you're not done with your doctoral work but i'm i'm curious what would be some recommendations just to how to connect with families right. um you know from a latino culture or just or not that maybe aren't as or are harder to connect with historically what would you say like what has worked for you so far
1: i think just going a be uh uh a figure in the community, let them know that you are there to help. Um, I I was going through sporting events, through parental involvement meetings, uh, but now everything's turned to virtual. So that's been my my platform right now, looking at um, joining them virtually, whether it be through uh, SAT prep courses where parents are asking questions, they're unaware of the college application process, looking at tutorial sessions as well. Um, So, and just word of mouth, looking at uh, Twitter, looking at Facebook, throwing uh, my survey out there so parents can connect, uh, my, my information is out there if they would have any questions, I'm more than happy to assist parents in any way possible. Um, so it, it's, it's one of those things that um, I'm proud of and I cannot wait to, to see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's been a, a long journey to say the least uh, from getting married in the middle of my doctoral program, having my, my son in the middle of a doctoral program as well. I'm now through a, a pandemic that has definitely thrown a wrench in my research as well, but I can definitely see that light um, fast approaching
0: yeah well i may be calling you for uh, for some advice if i uh, if i start my program and i think Absolutely. I th- and, yeah i think at the end of the day that the simplest things to do is you know people will say oh I- i'm here i'm available and it's one thing to say that but some people just won't reach out because you are available it's like oh my door is always open you know what forget the door go out into classrooms go out into the community because some people maybe didn't get your message or maybe some people have a negative experience with the school when they were kids or with somebody else in their family. And no matter what you say that you are there, some people are just not going to come to ask for support. You've got to put your walking shoes on, go to football games, go to places in the community, knock on doors and meet people because sometimes that is the only way to connect with the people that may be the most vulnerable, that need the most support and services that you have to offer, but they just would never come to you because they just won't. Right. And so like
1: my assistant superintendent says, you have to walk the walk and talk the talk. Whatever you do is a reflection of your staff. And if your staff see, see you going 110%, they're going to go 110%. Whether, like you mentioned, mopping the floors, serving food taking out the trash those little things mean a lot they 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 see that you are a normal human being and not just a principal of that school yeah
0: uh 100% well ray rodriguez thanks so much for coming on the podcast man i appreciate your time i appreciate your wisdom and experience as you begin your principal journey it's a it's a fun job i would say it's 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 the most fun i ever had and the hardest job i've ever had it's like both it's both ends of the spectrum, but uh, thanks for all you're doing down for those kids and those teachers down in South Texas and everyone listening. Thanks for all that you do. Make sure you subscribe, tell your friends, leave a rating, share with aspiring leaders or other principals that you think would enjoy the conversation that we are having here on the Principal Crew Podcast. And as always, I hope that you have an absolutely amazing day. What's up, everyone? Hey, before we go today, I gotta give a shout out to NAESP and NASSP, the National Association of Elementary School Principals and the National Association of Secondary School Principals. If you are not a member of these national organizations, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Uh, I was a member of my state organization for years, and I found that I got so much out of the national organization. They have conferences, they have webinars, they have so many different assets and tools for principals that are doing the job. NAESP.org and NASSP.org. Join up, sign up, connect with them on social media. You will not regret it. NAESP.org and NASSP.org are the national organizations for elementary and secondary school principals.